Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Our reading today is Luke chapter 19, verses 29 through 40. You may locate this text in your pew Bible on page 957. Let us pray. God of mercy, you promised to never break your covenant with us. Amid all the changing words of our generation, speak your eternal word that does not change. Then may we respond to your gracious promises with faithful and obedient lives. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. When he had come near Bethphage and Bethany at the place called Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Just say this, The Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. In Frederick Beckman's novel, Us Against You, he describes the challenge and hope that is parenting. He says it this way, a mother is standing outside a house. She is packing her child's things into a car. How many times does that happen while they are growing up? How many toys do you pick up from the floor? How many stuffed animals do you have to form search parties for at bedtime? How many mittens do you give up on at preschool? How many times do you think that if nature really does want people to reproduce, then perhaps evolution should give all parents extra sets of arms so they can reach under all the wretched sofas and fridges? How many hours do we spend waiting in hallways for our kids? How many gray hairs do they give us? He's getting personal now. (laughs) How many lifetimes do we devote to their single lifetime? What does it take to be a good parent? Not much. Just everything. Absolutely everything, he says. And I think more than that, Parents don't do everything because we know what we are doing, and we don't do these things because we know who our children will grow to become. We do them because everything is at stake, 
And when you love, you live for the good. When you love, your choices are shaped today by a hope that tomorrow can be a bit better. When you love, hope is hard to give up on. I think that is why Jesus rode that donkey. It was a parade like all parades. This one was exuberant, yet unlike most parades, this one is still remembered even today. There was an air of excitement and expectation. All the gospel writers report the exaltation of the crowd. Luke says the disciples joyfully praised God. This moving crowd that was part parade and part march. Change was coming. At least that was the hope in the crowd. The oppression of the Roman Empire was harsh and hated. And the people on the bottom, like people on the bottom in every age, prayed for change. They dreamed of a promised day when life would be a little easier and kindness would eat away hate and fairness would rule. But like most ages, change is slow in coming. But on that parade day, change seemed possible. Freedom was riding into the city. They experienced Jesus as a leader who could see them, who could really see them The fulfillment of their hope was riding into Jerusalem. This was God's plan, and the joy could not be contained. The songs of Hosannas filled the air. But there was tension in the air also. Luke says some of the Pharisees in the crowd, they came to Jesus and pleaded with him, tell your followers to quiet down. This is risky. Violence is always close by. They recognize, perhaps the religious folks recognize this parade as less a parade and more as a march, and they fear the Roman soldiers would come to put down, quash this act of treason. Perhaps they feared that repression would follow. They pleaded, for goodness sakes, get them to stop. And, but this parade is God's parade. And there is no power that can stop what is happening here. Jesus says to them, I, I, I hear you. Truth be told, there's a part of me that wants this to stop too. But there is no stopping this. If my followers were to be silent, he says, the stones themselves would shout out. Jesus sounds like he's a bit, like he's living like that parent that Backman describes, just doing today whatever needs to be done. Because when you love, it's hard to give up on hope. There's something comforting to me about these curious, this curious promise that Jesus gives that the stones would preach. 
This parade, like all parades, it will quiet. The light of day will dissolve into evening. The crowds will go home. They will gather up their cloaks, and the songs will fade. They'll sweep up the confetti. They'll probably return that donkey to whoever he belonged to. The parade will end, but there's no stopping the purpose of this parade. I'm grateful for this hopeful promise that Jesus makes, that even if the followers are silent or are silenced, that the stones will preach. William Kleins, a retired pastor in Virginia, he asked a question I'd never thought of. He said, if the stones did proclaim, what would God have them say? These stones that had witnessed many a parade and many a march, these stones that have witnessed the flexing of powers. He says, these stones that could tell of the river of tears and blood spilled here and there as a result of many brutal campaigns, these stones that have witnessed the brutality of human living. I think Reverend Klein is right. If God commanded the stones to talk, they would speak the truth of the world as it is. But I think they would say more than that. I think they would also proclaim the world as God love intends it. The same love that brought you and me and the stones of the ground into being through creation now brings new creation in the love that leads Christ into this city. And there is no power that can stop that love. And we need to remember that. On Monday, I felt sick, not, not, not physically, not COVID. I, I learned of the shooting in a Presbyterian church. I immediately thought of my friends, Roger and Sophie. We were on staff together in Jacksonville. We're friends. Our children are the same ages. We don't see each other often anymore, but when we do, it's, it's like we're just back where we were. You have those kind of friends. I love them. Sophie is the director of children's ministry at a Presbyterian church in Nashville. When I heard the news, I felt weak, afraid. I spent a few anxious moments Googling, searching to learn that it was not her church. It was not even a church in our denomination. I assumed a different denomination. I wouldn't have direct contact with any of one there, but I learned that Reverend Chad Scruggs, the pastor of Covenant Church, is the cousin of my friend Paul. Paul and I served in the Presbytery together in Florida. Reverend Scruggs sent his daughter Hallie to school last Monday. And yesterday, they held her service. She was nine years old. I don't know what kind of pain one has to be facing. I don't know what kind of brokenness there must be in one's spirit to cause someone to shoot a nine-year-old little girl. But I'm not sure that's the real question. Because people are always going to feel pain. People's spirits will always be broken. 
that has always been true, and it will always be true. The human capacity to hurt the innocent is as old as Cain and Abel. The real question, it seems to me, is what is wrong with the rest of us? We know today that this is going to happen again. We know today that nine-year-old little girls will be shot again. Our nation and our highest courts have declared that it is your and my right to own our own armories. There is precious little check on the commerce of weapons. And we know this too. What we are doing is not working. We are sacrificing the innocent to pay for the freedom to own guns of our choosing. And we should know this. No nation of honor sacrifices her own children this way. To continue to witness innocent bloodshed with a shrug of the shoulders is the American response. And it is the legal response. But it is not a moral response. The circumstances were different. But the same sacrifice of the innocent was real in Jesus' day. And the closeness of violence was right there the week that Jesus rode into Jerusalem. And the hope that things could be different is the reason they sang Hosanna. It was a long time ago. And I wouldn't blame you if you found it difficult to maintain hope this week. I wouldn't blame you if you found it difficult to maintain hope from time to time. But do not give up, for God does not give up. John Lewis marched across the Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama, and later became a U.S. representative from the state of Georgia, and later received the Presidential Medal of Freedom, and through all of that lived as the conscience of a country. John Lewis, in another violent and seemingly hopeless week, he decided he would travel to Alabama to participate in the Freedom Rides of the mid-60s. Lewis was in Nashville, and he received calls from friends in Alabama saying, do not come, do not come. The Kennedy White House dispatched John Siegenthaler to meet Lewis to implore him, do not go, don't go. They were told, it's a bloodbath. Be assured, if you come, someone will die. In John Meachin's biography of Lewis, he describes it this way, they couldn't stay away. They said, mob violence must not stop our striving toward right. Meacham interpreted this moment. He said, they weren't thinking pragmatically or even rationally, for their thought was shaped not by the fears of the world they know, but by the hopes of the world they were seeking. 
That is what Christian faith looks like. I think that is why Jesus rode that donkey. As people of faith, we never deny the reality of the world that we know, but we never give up on the world we are seeking. We don't lose hope because God has not given up. And this parade day is a reminder that God will not stop. Like Fred Backman asked, how many times does a mother prepare after-school snacks? And how many times does a father find liquid Tylenol at 2 a.m. in the morning? And how many times does a mother hang artwork on the fridge? And how many times does a parent sort laundry and drill multiplication tables? And how many years do you spend driving carpools? And how many times do we remind the little one to make his bed and teach them to tell the truth and to use your words and to share your toys? How many times? All in the hope that the children we have brought into the world will grow up not simply to become successful, but to be good, to be good. All in the hope that the children we have brought into the world will grow up to be neither the destroyers nor the destroyed. How many times? You know, parents don't keep count. They just don't keep count because that's not what matters. Because when you love, you sacrifice for your hope. Jesus says God is a mother like that who never counts how many times, who never gives up, who never stops. So church, do not lose hope. Do not give up. Do not stop because God will not. And if even, we, even if we are silent or are silenced, the stones themselves will preach. Our king has come. He rides in humility, and he will make any sacrifice love requires. There is no stopping this. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.